And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. And it's Friday once again. So we should flash back. We should. What do we... Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's what I got to, <laughs> dude. It started out hot for uh-huh. two seconds and then... Oh, yeah. We got to do stuff. Fizzle. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, let's see what kind of shows we can dig up here. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a great uh, back catalog. That's my new favorite word. That's two shows in a row. I've used that word. Back catalog. Back catalog. Look at you. At the... Uh, Josephon Network. Absolutely, a billion shows that you can listen to, and figuratively, gonna, figuratively, yeah, yes, yeah. I guess I shouldn't say a billion no, people. Going, what the no, hell? That's a lot of shows. That's a whole lot of shows. Yeah. <sighs> but we'll get there. Just shy of a billion Just shows. Shy. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, ninety-nine million. Wow. We'll get there. We yeah, we time. will. Absolutely. We got nothing but time. By the time I look like Yoda and about as old, we'll have about a billion shows. Sure. <laughs> yep. Sure. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> old I'll be. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Had to. Movie yeah. reference. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought, oh, nothing, nothing. Yeah. I, I don't want to jinx myself. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to jump right into it with our Saturday segments, number three. This is our three episode. Oh, is this our three episodes? This is all threes. All right. Yep. Saturday segment number three, recorded a few days after Thanksgiving, Larry talks about new movies, not only to the big screen, but to DVD as well. Nice. Yes. I see what happens. I see what happened. Play this episode and we'll, 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 we'll we'll expand this conversation. Absolutely. Here it comes. Saturday segment number three. Hello, this is Larry Walton, and I welcome you to another edition of Saturday Segment. I hope all of you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know I did. Uh, my family came over yesterday, and we spent Thanksgiving at our house. All my grandchildren were here. My older daughter and son-in-law were here, and his family was here. But we had a really good time. I hope you all enjoyed it. Had a good time with your family, eating Thanksgiving dinner. There you will uh, watch the football or watch movies on TV. We really had a good time. I hope you did too uh, with your family. Okay, so now we look forward to Christmas coming up. And I know most of you or some of you have probably been out there shopping already buying uh, new TVs or iPads or MP3 players and listening to podcasts that we do here every week. A lot of people have been out there uh, starting yesterday evening and, and uh, through today or this week with Black Friday. So I hope you've all bought things that you like and will enjoy them for years to come. There's a lot of uh, a lot of movies out there right now that have been out, uh, Christmas movies that have been out for a while or even some new ones that have come out. There are a few, I should say, a few, quite a few uh, classic movies that I hope you can find uh, and watch. Um, some of my personal ones are uh, The Bishop's Wife. I like that movie. That's with David Niven and Gary Grant. Another one is White Christmas with Dean uh, Crosby and Danny Kaye and uh, Rosemary Clooney. And there's also Miracle on 34th Street, which is another one I and then some of the more recent ones, uh, like Home Alone and uh, the Santa Claus with Tim Allen and uh, 
took some vacations with Jimmy uh, J. So those, those are some uh, I've seen and I'm sure you've seen. So I hope you go out there and uh, buy some Christmas movies and enjoy them with your family and friends. And I know there's a lot of other ones out there that are made for kids, uh, for the little ones. out there and enjoy them. Okay, I'm going to talk about some uh, entertainment news now. I'll continue that actually. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've heard or not that Sherman Hensley, who was on Good Times, uh, will finally be buried, uh, I believe, coming up, or has it already been done, I guess there was some kind of legal problem as far as his burial. Anyway, uh, the funeral is, or was, in El Paso, Texas, just recently. Um, Firefly, if you are a fan of Firefly, they just recently celebrated their 10th anniversary. Anne Hathaway just turned 30 years old a few days ago, so happy birthday to her. Okay, there are some new movies out uh, right now in theaters. One is called uh, Wreck-It Ralph. I believe that's a Disney movie that's out now. There's another one called Life of Pi. Um, another one, uh, Red Dawn, is out. There's another one out, it's a Christmas movie called The Defenders. That one looks pretty good. Uh, I see the uh, previews of it, and it looks really, really good an animated movie. Okay, some movies that are coming out uh, within the next two or three months. One is called uh, Prone Gunman. That is with Sean Penn. Let's see, there's another one coming out with Russell Crowe and Mark Wahlberg called Broken City. And then uh, one I mentioned last time was it's called uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. That one looks really good. I've seen the uh, previews of it. And uh, it, looks, it looks like it's going to be a real good movie. Um, it's, I believe, Rachel Weiss is in it. Uh, she's been in some movies like The Mummy, The Mummy Returns. Uh, she was the voice of the dragon in Aragon. She's also in a movie called uh, Enemy of the Gates. 
Also, I believe Mila Kunis was in this movie. She's been in a few movies like uh, Black Swan and I believe it's called Friends with Benefits. And uh, she was on that uh, the TV show called uh, That 70 Show. That looks really, like I said, the movie looks really good. Um, the special effects are really good. The acting looks really good. Uh, from what I could get, it take, this takes place um, when uh, the person, I can't think of his name, who eventually, who eventually becomes the Wizard of Oz, uh, is in a hot air balloon and gets caught up in a tornado and ends up uh, in the land of Oz. Anyway, uh, that comes out, I believe, in March of next year. Uh, like these other movies, uh, that one I just talked about, Broken City, comes out in March of next year. Um, <clears throat> let's see. I'm looking forward to The Dark Knight Rises coming out next month. On DVD and Blu-ray. I never got a chance to see the theaters, but I'm definitely going to see this one when it comes out. Um, the last one, Christian Bale has done. He's going to do. So it'll be kind of uh, kind of. I'm glad he did it, but also at the same time, I'm kind of disappointed that he's not going to be in any more Batman movies. So, um, but I am looking forward to seeing, uh, right now it's in development, the Justice League movie coming out sometime, probably not for a couple of years. Um, also I talked about last time, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Disney acquiring, uh, Lucasfilm, and there are in, they are in the process of working on episode seven to continue the Star Wars saga. I have no idea who's going to be in it. Or what it's going to be about, or uh, you know, um, so <laughs> we never know what happened after episode, episode six when uh, the Empire fell. Um, when Darth Vader uh, died, and uh, the Emperor uh, got thrown over that railing on the Death Star. So we will. No, in a couple of years. Uh, I believe it's going to be coming out in 2015. So we got three years to wait. <laughs> That's too long. Uh, I know that I've heard that Harrison Ford has an interest of being in it. Uh, and also, I heard that Carrie Fisher and uh, Mark Hamill 
have an interest in being involved so, so we shall see um, you know uh, what's going to be about and uh, who's going to be in it and, what, uh, and stuff like that Anyway, we shall see what happens. Like I said, I have no idea <laughs> what it's going to be like. Uh, it should be good. Uh, I know Disney uh, has a excellent reputation. Excellent reputation for putting out movies, uh, not only for us adults, but for kids as well. Uh, They've been doing it for a long time, and I'm not sure they will continue to do it uh, in years to come. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard about this. Um, it came as a surprise to me. Just the other day, I read that uh, George Barris. Car designer uh, is selling the 1966 Batmobile. First of all, I was surprised that he's doing this. He's had the car uh, over 40 years, uh, so I guess he figured it's time that he wants to sell it. And I believe the auction is going to be in Arizona. One of those famous auction, auction places. Uh, so it's going up for auction. So if you have the money and can afford it, buy it. Because you'll have something that will be a treasure for years and years and years to come. I know there's a lot of replica Batmobiles out there, but this one is the original. Um, not sure if you know the history of the Batmobile. Originally, it was a Lincoln Futura. Good night, baby. Good night. Good night, baby. I love you. Um, it was a Lincoln Futura. It was. Uh, in a movie called The Star with a Kiss. I believe the actors were Glenn Ford and Debbie Reynolds. This was back in the 50s. It was an experimental car that uh, the Ford company in Italy built. Um, the canopy, it wasn't closed, the canopy would come open and go backwards. Anyway, um, it was up for sale, and George Barris bought it, and he bought it for one dollar, <laughs> one whole dollar, 
Uh, so anyway, uh, 20th Century Fox was looking for a car for their new TV series called Batman. So they came to George Barris and asked if he had a car. They could build a car for them for the TV series. So naturally, naturally he said yes, so he took the Futura, the Lincoln Futura, and uh, took it apart, took the canopy off. Uh, he stretched it a little bit, uh, and it became the Batmobile. So now, after 40 something years, Going to sell it. So anyway, whoever has the money and wins the auction, and I think we have a very treasured, uh, a very treasured uh, vehicle that you'll have for a long, long time. And speaking of Batmobiles, I know they're they're continuing their Continuing the tour uh, with the Batmobiles that were in uh, the 66 Batmobile and the other Batmobiles that were in the movies. Uh, they're going around the country during, doing, doing tours to promote uh, the Dark Knight Rises movie, like I said, which comes out uh, next month. If you're in an area that the Batmobiles will be in, um, take pictures, and I have Facebook. Uh, it's G L D L E A D E R on Facebook. Under Larry Walton, W A L T O N, like the mountain. And send them to my Facebook page. I would like to see them. I've seen pictures uh, that people have taken. Um, so far, they've been in Dallas. Um, and I believe their next stop is in... Probably, I believe it's Indiana or Wisconsin or somewhere. Anyway, but they're going to be doing uh, doing these tours uh, up to the time that the new movie, The Dark Knight Rises, comes out. <coughs> Okay, um, I was just looking on the internet a little while ago. Um, a couple of other things I want to talk about um, is Halle Berry and her ex-husband. Uh, I guess he came over to her house and they had a fight. Uh, so he was arrested. Um, I believe they were fighting about the custody, the custody of their daughter. 
So apparently, uh, he came over to her place, her house, and they had a fight. And her other, I think her other boyfriend came over. And I could be wrong, but I think he came over too. And, and uh, her ex-boyfriend was arrested for uh, fighting. Um, another couple movies I want to talk about briefly. Um, Kira Knightley is coming out in a new movie called Anna Karina. Well, it's not exactly new, it's a repeat, but that's a remake, I believe. And then, um, Anne Hathaway, Hugh Jackman, and Russell Crowe will be starring in Ladies of Rob. I've seen this one uh, before with other actors. It's really good. Um, it's a good movie. John goes on. That's pretty good. Um, so I would uh, recommend that movie to you as well as uh, Anna Karina for Nintendo. I know there's a lot of movies coming out uh, within the next few months. The ones I mentioned before, and movies coming out, DVD like uh, Amazing Spider-Man is out now on DVD. Uh, my daughter and her boyfriend uh, watch it on uh, Direct TV Demand. Um, well, he didn't like it. <laughs> he didn't like it. Um, my daughter's boyfriend is uh, very critical of movies. If he likes it, he'll tell you. If he didn't like it, he'll tell you. Also. Uh, but apparently, he didn't like this movie. Uh, I haven't seen it. Uh, I may want to see it. Anyway, we'll see what happens. Um, okay, what I want to talk about uh, is next. The rest of my show podcast. As a lot of you know, uh, 007 has turned 50 this year. And I understand that I fall. The movie with uh, Daniel Craig has made a lot of money. Uh, people are saying this is the best Bond movie ever. I will want to see this movie. And see if it is the best Bond movie ever. <laughs> I have my own personal favorites. That's the one I want to talk about, uh, mainly. Uh, the Bond movies and the actors who've been in Bond over the years. Um, as far as the best Bond, um, my favorite is uh, Porkchop Tommy. 
been, you know, as far as Bond movies and Bond actors, I think he's the best, best Bond, you know, James Bond, uh, out there. Of course, he's done the other movies, uh, uh, like uh, Red October and uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, uh, The Rock. Um, a lot of other movies. But, uh, he really wasn't, I guess, typecast, you know, as Bond. And I think that's what the problem was with the other Bond actors. Uh, I think they were afraid that if they were going to play Bond, they were going to be typecast as well as Bond. Both of them. Um, I don't think Tom Connor felt that way. And I don't think, uh, and I don't think Roger Moore either felt like he was typecast. I think Timothy Dalton felt that way. That's why he only played Bond twice. Um, I'm not sure if Pierce Brosnan felt that way, but I think that uh, Timothy Dalton felt that way, like he could be typecasted. So that's why he only did the movie. Anyway, so anyway, um, I'm going to talk about the different Bond movies. Uh, the actors who are in it. And then, uh, each one I give my, uh, so first of all, um, the first movie was called Dr. No, which starred Scott Connery, um, Ursula Anders was in the movie, uh, the first Bond girl, I guess you call her, uh, this came out in 1962, I've seen it a few times, uh, I liked it. There was no uh, theme song when the first movie came out. Uh, that started with uh, From Russia With Love, which was the next movie that Tom Tommy did. Um, <clears throat> I believe uh, the first Felix in that movie was Jack Lord. If you see Hawaii Five O, not the new one, but the one from the late '60s and early '70s, he was the first Felix Whitehead. Um, <clears throat> the next one was from Wrestle with Love. I saw parts of it. Um, I never really saw the whole movie. There was another one with Tom Connery. Now that one had a theme song to it. Uh, but I can't remember who sang it. Because I didn't really see the movie. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, I know uh, 
Robert Shaw, who was in movies like uh, The Sting, and uh, he was uh, playing Quint in uh, Jaws, the first Jaws movie, and also a movie called The Island, that was with Nick Zolte and Jack uh, Nicholson. Like I said, I didn't see that movie before. So I couldn't really, you know, didn't tell you what about it. I don't know if it was good or bad. Next one um, was Goldfinger. That one came out in 1964. That one was good. I like that one. I can't remember the actor's name who played Felix in that one. Um, uh, it was, it was, yeah, I, like that I think that was uh, Tom Connor's best movie of all the movies that he was, uh, Bond movies he was in, uh, was uh, Golden. Um, Honor Blackman uh, was Cookie Gore. Really good movie. Uh, it was really well done. Uh, non-stop action, as all ball movies are. <laughs> um, I thought it was really good. Uh, like I said, of all the bond, of all the bond movies that uh, Sean Connery was in, whole uh, thing was was. Next one, um, after that was Thunderball. They came out, I think, I believe they came out like a year later. Uh, Cork Bond faced uh, their uh, adversary, Spectre, uh, which, like in uh, Dr. No, he was people on Spectre. Good movie. I like that movie. Great acting, you know. Uh, all the Bond movies, you know, all the all the Bond movies have great acting. Great acting, beautiful women. Uh, the cars, I like the cars. The Aston Martin, my favorite. The Aston Martin DB5 is my favorite Bond car. I have a uh, a replica um, of the DB5. Uh, I believe it was uh, put out by the Franklin Mint. I got it for Christmas uh, a few years ago for my just my main Christmas present. Uh, the cars, you know, they were all you know they had all the good cars. They had all the cars had something. Uh, the DB5 had uh, machine guns. Fire shredder, uh, an ejector seat, oil slick, uh, bulletproof shield. They were good. I mean, uh, you know, all the cars, you know, I like. 
because I'm a I'm a car person. So <laughs> the Aston Martin DB5. Understand that in Skyfall, uh, the new one with front of <laughs> Daniel Craig. I believe the DB5 is in this one also. Lewis in um, briefly in uh, Casino Royale. <clears throat> okay, next movie I believe was um, No Limit Flight. That was a good movie, I like that one. And that one, 007 faked his death so he can infiltrate um, Spectre. It was mostly made in Japan. Okay. That one, oh yeah, uh, that one he had uh, his little gyrocopter called uh, Little Nelly. That was a good movie. Uh, he pretended to be dead so he could infiltrate, infiltrate, you know, Spectre and. He went as far as looking like a uh, person from Japan to get in on um, Spectre's. Uh, they were stealing, I believe they were stealing rockets, or, or they were stealing uh, uh, missiles from the, uh, from the United States and using them for their evil demise, their own evil. Uh, that was a good one. I like that one. Uh, <clears throat> I can't think of all the actors. I know, you know, all the actors, you know, who have been in a lot of movies, like uh, Hugh and M and Money Penny. Raven. Uh, uh, the actress who played Money Penny. Uh, Louise Maxwell passed away uh, quite a few years ago. She made a good money for me, so I like her. She would, <laughs> she would put up with, with bonds. So. Uh, you know, she would like to flirt with women and, uh, you know, go to bed with women. <laughs> information. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, she was a good actor. Uh, I like her. And I believe the last one was uh, Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, Bill St. John was in that movie, and Jimmy Dean was in that movie. Uh, it was good. You know, I liked it. Uh, he traveled to. Uh, Las Vegas. That one. It was good. I like that movie. Um, <clears throat> you know, like I said, all the acting is good. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, so all in all, uh, all the movies that Sean Connery, a lot of movies that he was in, were good. I mean, great. 
But like I said, it's best one uh, overall with gold Okay, now I'm going to talk about, uh, just finished talking about with uh, John Condry. Now I want to talk about Roger Moore. That's what this stuff. He was good. I mean, uh, <laughs> he made a good double of seven, I believe. Um, he, uh, before that, he was another. He was in TV shows like uh, he was in Maverick, uh, TV show Maverick. If most of you, and most of you don't know, Maverick was it was a, a TV western uh, with James Gardner. Roger Moore, I believe, played his cousin. Um, um, I can't believe his name right now. Anyway, uh, then Roger Moore was in a TV series uh, made in Britain called The Saints. Uh, I've seen that. I saw that a few times. It was pretty good. I like that movie. I like the TV series. Didn't watch it very often, uh, but what I what I watched, I did like. Um, anyway, um, Roger Moore overall performance of 007 was good. Uh, he was Bond, I believe, seven times. Uh, Sean Connery was Bond six times. Roger Moore's first Bond movie was Live and Let Die, and the actor who played Felix was David Hedison. Most of you might know that name from Voice uh, at the Bottom of the Sea. Um, it was a TV series uh, on ABC. Uh, he played Captain Crane. He was the captain uh, who ran the uh, Submarine called the Sea View. Um, he was Felix in those movies, in that movie. Uh, that, uh, that was the first, the first one. Uh, that was a good movie. I like that movie. Uh, he made a believable Bond, uh, James Bond. Uh, I believe Yippet uh, Kodo was in that movie. Seymour was in that movie. That one was good. I like that one. Um, the next one was Man with a Golden Gun. Um, I believe Christopher Lee was in that movie. And so was Hervé uh, Villechase, uh, who played Tattoo on Fantasy uh, Island. <coughs> that was a good movie. I like that movie. Well, it was good. Um, had a good story plot to it. So did uh, Live and Let Die. Um, all the Bond movies have good story plots to them. You know, it keeps you uh, wanting to watch it uh, and wanting more. <laughs> okay, next one after that was Live and Let Die. Uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, the Spy Who Loved Me. That starred 
my favorite British actress, Caroline Monroe, as Naomi. And uh, Barbara, Barbara Bach was played, uh, she played Triple X. She was a Russian spy. And he, her and Bond worked together. That was a good movie. Uh, the bad guy was uh, Earl Stromberg. Uh, good movie. Good movie. That movie uh, had Lotus, which turned into a submarine. Uh, <laughs> it was interesting uh, how they did that. See, overall, overall, no, it was a good movie. Like I said, my favorite British actress, Caroline Monroe, was in it. I met her several times over the years. Uh, very graceful lady. Uh, she has been in quite a few movies. Uh, I'll talk about her uh, in future rock and future podcasts. But, uh, that was a good movie. I like that one. A little bit of uh, Excellent movie. <clears throat> the next one uh, was, uh, I believe, was Moonraker. That one was about uh, an industrialist named Brax who was uh, sending space, uh, space shuttles to the space station, uh, what they could not see on radar, and basically he wanted to take uh, people, young people, to the space station, uh, man and wife, you know, kind of, it was kind of like uh, a play on uh, Noah's Ark man and woman, uh, and he wanted to destroy uh, everything that was bad about Earth, uh, uh, everything, he, didn't, he wanted basically to start everything over, he wanted to send these pods uh, from the space station that contain a deadly gas and kill everybody off human race off and basically started over again. Want to start over again. So he took these shuttles and I believe there were six of them and to this uh, space station and start a whole new uh, race again. I like that movie. It was good. Um, another, you know, another great model. The next one was uh, For Your Eyes Only. I like that one. Uh, I kept confusing that one was after The Spy Love Me, but it was after Moonraker. So that one, I like that one too. Uh, for Your Eyes Only. Uh, good movie. 
uh, Cook, mainly weights from Switzerland uh, and Greece. What I like about these Bond movies is where they film them. They film them in exotic places like Greece, uh, Switzerland, uh, Vienna, the Bahamas, uh, here in America. They've only did like, I think, two of those. Moonraker and uh, Diamonds Are Forever were filmed here in America, partly. Uh, but the rest were filmed in different locations, exotic places that you want to just go visit and stay and, and, uh, and be amazed. Uh, that, was, that was a good movie. Uh, I like that movie. I can't think of the actress's name, would have been that, but, uh, good movie, I like the movie. The next one was, uh, I believe it was Occupancy. Um, that one, I didn't, I don't know, care for as much, um, it was good, but it just kind of, you know, so-so kind of the plot you know the, what the plot always is you know going after the bad guy uh, it was okay I really you know I liked it but really didn't like it uh, the last one he did was uh, a view to a kill that one uh had Tanya Roberts in it, uh, Christopher Walken was in it, and Grace Jones. Uh, it was okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's just kind of... Uh, I could kind of tell that Roger Moore was getting older in that one. Uh, I think he was getting, I think he was getting, uh, a little, uh, tired of making Bond movies. Although he did make a great Bond. Uh, you know, I'm not saying he wasn't a bad Bond, but that one, that movie, and, uh, Octopus Okay, you know, it wasn't not as good as the other ones he was in, but they weren't that good. So anyway, um, so far I talked about Roger Moore and, and uh, Tom Connery. One more um, I would like to talk about is uh, Timothy Dalton. He played Bond only two times. The Living Daylights and Life of Kill. He made a good bond, uh, but too bad he only did two of them. The Living Daylights I liked a lot. It was a good movie. Uh, 
he mostly dealt with the Russians. Uh, yeah, other Bond movies, uh, like uh, Smile Love Me, uh, and kind of in the way he dealt with the Russians, uh, with the Russian spy. And then, of course, from Russia with Love, also. Uh, I'm not saying it was, you know, Timothy Dalton made a, made a convincing 007 in that one. Uh, it took place, you know, in Russia also. Russia and, uh, Tunisia. Location. That was um, the other one, License to Kill. It was good too. Um, he saw revenge on the person who tried to kill Felix. And, uh, Felix was getting married. Felix was after a uh, Colombian drug smuggler. The drug smuggler smuggler killed his wife and almost killed Felix with a a giant shark. (laughs) That was a good movie. Um, Overall, it was pretty good. I liked it. Uh, Just for line. Anyway, um, those are the three bonds I want to want to mainly talk about today. My next podcast, I'll talk about uh, the other two bonds, Pierce uh, Brosnan and the newest bond, Daniel uh, Craig. And I will talk about next time. talked about earlier about Caroline Monroe. Um, like I said, I met her a couple times, um, mostly at uh, conventions, uh, like the Hollywood show. If you ever get a chance, you live in Southern California, they have a Hollywood show every year. It's in Burbank at the, I believe it's the Marriott uh, Hotel which is right across the street from uh, the Burbank Airport. Uh, I think they have them like every 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 three months. Uh, a lot of actors come to that show. Uh, TV actors, movie actors um, come to that show. Uh, I met uh, my wife wanted me to get an autograph from George Lazenby, who played 007 in uh, Her the Secret Service. I didn't mention that one, but he only did that movie. He only did that one block movie. I never got to see, I never really saw Her Majesty's Secret Service, but anyway, she had a copy of uh, a DVD, and Caroline Monroe was going to be there that weekend. I believe it was about July or October. 
so I went down there and uh, South Caroline, and then I went around and talked to the different people who were active who were there. I got a cop, the signed copy of her, uh, <coughs> George Langby signed a copy of her DVD for me, uh, which was on the Master Chain Okay, so anyway, I will close out this segment of uh, Saturday Segments. I hope you all have and did have a great Thanksgiving. Now we look forward to Christmas coming. Getting our houses decorated, our trees up, uh, stockings by the chimney. So with that, I will close for now. like I said, I'll continue talking about the Bond, the Bond movies and the Bond actors. And I think I'll talk about uh, Caroline Monroe also, the movie she was in. Also, uh, if you get a chance, check out The World of Myth on the internet. It's www.theworldofmyth.com. My friend Dave Montoya runs it. Have uh, an online, it's an online magazine. Uh, talks about uh, people sending their stories, their poetry, their artwork. Uh, it's good. I haven't checked it out this month. I'm going to. Uh, so anyway, go there and uh, if you like poetry or stories uh, or artwork, uh, check out theworldofmyth.com. So until next time, um, enjoy your week. Um, Enjoy uh, this time of the year. It's a very special time of the year. But rather Thanksgiving, Christmas is around the corner. So take care, and I will talk to you again soon. Bye for now. Okay, I heard the episode. Yeah. Now. You want to hear my theory? Let's hear a theory. Dave, the guy that was, Dave, our boss, had this guy do the Saturday segments. For whatever reason, that segment had to stop. Dave goes, I need a new movie pod, uh, podcast. So we went to the absolute bottom of the barrel of movie podcasts, and he happened to find ours. I'm thinking that's exactly what happened. Yeah. You said you, you, you don't want to put gold on your, so you just... Stick with us. That's right. That's, we'll never give you gold, no. Dave. Never. No. See, you did right. <laughs> I see how that theory works. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, carrying on with our three theme. Yes. We're going to show, or sorry, show. we're going to play three Peter shows. That's right. You will be able to visualize. Close your eyes. I've got my eyes closed. If you're not, if you're driving, don't close your eyes. Okay. My eyes are open. Okay. Imagine if you will. I'm imagining. The curtain raises, the lights flicker, and. What episode starts? I don't know. I'm imagining. Yeah, the, 
Oh, you want me to? Oh, yes. oh, you, I got it. The listeners get the theater of the mind, not you, you knucklehead. I was wondering because oh. I was like, I'm waiting. Oh, this is good. <laughs> and then you yeah, left me hanging. Okay, well, let's start with "Don't Get Us Started." Number three. Oh, Sadie and Lacey talk about a sensitive subject that has made public news lately. Well, public in August of 2013. Wow. Uh, about a young boy with an autism. Oh, sorry. Young boy with autism. Yeah. Not a autism. Not the autism. Uh, whose grandmother received a dreadful hate letter. Afterwards, they reveal the secret to their workout session and then chat about people who were in love. Oh, sorry. Who were in love with inanimate objects. See how those three mesh together? Yeah. You lead with the some asshole bullying a boy with autism. Mm-hmm. Into workouts. Into workouts. And then falling in love with your chair. Absolutely. I see. I I, I, I can't fault them. I love my couch. You know, that little button on the side. Wow. Start the episode. All righty. Don't get us started. Number three. Yep. Hi, everybody, and welcome once again to Don't, Don't Get, Get Us Started. Tonight, we're going to do uh, a little something different to start our show, and I'm kind of, in a way, I sort of want to apologize, because this is not going to be a real up subject, but it is something that's very near and dear to our hearts, especially to Lacey. Yes. Um, who was online today and came across a really disturbing piece of information that we're going to share with you and uh, give you our... Not the whole show. No, no, and not the whole piece of information either. But uh, And then we want to present the other side of the coin, so yes. to speak. Um, anyhow, I forgot to say, <laughs> I'm Miss Sadie Burbank. And I'm Lacey Montoya. There you go. And uh, we're... Here in uh, beautiful downtown Apple Valley, once again in the uh, living room with the fans going. Because it's, it's really so humid. Hot, sticky day. It's thunder. Hot. Clouds outside. No freaking rain. No rain. Just a lot of threats. Yeah. Uh, and so we're going to we're gonna get through this first part. Then we're going to take a little bit of a break and, and uh, recover ourselves. This is getting to sound more and more ominous by the minute. <laughs> Uh, and then we're going to come back and hopefully have uh, a cheerful end to our podcast. Yes, so, this letter we're about to read, so it bugged me, yeah, so I wanted to get off my chest. If you don't want to get pissed off, then you might want to hang up and listen no, to No, I don't really think we're going to get pissed off. It's no, just actually, I, I, would like, I would like everybody to know about this, whether, whether you are... Uh, we're going to be speaking about autism. Yeah, whether you're directly involved or know anyone who's directly involved with the syndrome of autism or not, uh, we think it's an important, uh, it's going to be an important bit of understanding of uh, becoming more enlightened about people with disabilities. It's not going to go away, so we kind of need to learn about it. I myself have a nephew who has autism, mm -hmm. and he's on the high end of the spectrum. Um, Me my meaning, meaning he is non-functional. He doesn't talk. Mm -hmm. He's not potty trained and he will be 13 in January mm -hmm. and he does a lot of stimming, which means that they do body movements. They'll flap their arms or hit their chest or just bounce. Just, they can't sit still. And I asked my son, who's also autistic, how can you do that? And he says, because I have to. He goes, if I don't, I feel inside I'm going to explode. 
It somehow helps to circumvent it, the input that yeah. they're getting. It gives a little bit of a release. Right. But with Jaden, we kind of, with him being verbal, we can. That's your son. Yes. Okay. We, we can have him go to different direction instead of the stimming. Right. Um, we get him to do his energy some, some other way. And he will let you talk him down a little bit, too. I know David has yes. said that. He does allow you to help him refocus yes. instead of stemming. I yes. know that uh, the, the day that you guys had the Vegas car problem and all, uh, yeah. he got upset about uh, something, and David got him to focus on a fly. Yeah. And it totally worked, got him off the stemming action and on. Okay, well, let's let's save some of that for, for later, and let's get to the thing that, that got you so upset yes, off this the letter. This uh, was posted on the Internet, uh, <clears throat> and it's about uh, a situation that happened in Ontario, Canada. The police there are aware of the situation. There was a hateful letter that was reportedly sent last week to uh, a resident of Newcastle, Ontario, which is just west of Toronto. This resident is, uh, it says she hosts her 13-year-old grandson. I presume what that means is she lets the son, grandson stay with her during uh, summer days. But I don't know why. It doesn't say. It doesn't matter. This is, these are excerpts uh, from the Internet of the letter. And I'm quoting. I also live in this neighborhood. I, this is a letter I that wasn't gonna do this. this letter was mm. received from the gra to the grandmother yeah. from a next door right. neighbor or somebody on their block. Right. And I was not going to cry when I read this, and I'm not going to cry because it's important that they hear this. I also live in this neighborhood and have a problem. Several exclamation points after that. You have a kid that is mentally handicapped. And you consciously decided that it would be a good idea to live in a close proximity neighborhood like this, question marks, several of them. You selfishly put your kid outside every day and let him be a nothing but a nuisance and a problem to everyone else with that noise polluting wailing mm -mm. he constantly makes, several exclamation points. That noise he makes when he is outside is dreadful, in capital letters, several exclamation points. It scares the hell out of my normal children, exclamation points. Again, I am quoting from this letter. Crying babies, music, and even barking dogs are normal sounds in a residential neighborhood, exclamation points. He is not, in capital letters, followed by several exclamation points. He is a nuisance to everyone and will always be that way, several exclamation points. Who the hell is going to care for him? There must be at least ten question marks after that. No employer will hire him. No normal girl is going to marry slash love him. And you are not going to live forever exclamation points. They should take whatever non-retarded body parts he possesses. Oh my God. And donate it to science. What the hell else good is he to anyone? Exclamation points. This is somebody's baby. Somebody's love let, of their let, life. Let, 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 let me finish. You had a retarded kid. Deal with it. 
properly exclamation points what right do you have to do this to working people exclamation points i hate capital letters people like you who believe just because you have a special needs kid you are entitled to special treatment god in big letters exclamation points go live in a trailer in the woods or something with your wild animal kid nobody wants you living here and they don't have the guts to tell you exclamation points do the right thing and move or euthanize him either way we are all better off okay that's the letter and as you can tell it was not easy for me to read and I don't have an autistic child I don't have a child with special needs my children were blessed with health and are grown and their children are blessed with health and are grown but Lacey is in a different category than I am insofar as you have not only a child with special needs you have a nephew with special needs and you have learned so much more about being the parent of a child with special needs than I will ever be able to fathom if you can without just ranting right give us some feedback on this this what 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 if you'd gotten this letter how do you think you would have reacted I can't say on air because no put me in jail <laughs> I get that I totally get that yeah I, I kind of have to agree with you there. I think I'd be tempted to look for something blunt and sharp. Or yes. <laughs> blunt and sharp is sort of a mixture there. But it either would do, something blunt and heavy or sharp and pointy. But um, what I'm assuming the noises this child was making, he was just stimming. Like I said, flapping the arms. And yeah, we don't know why the grandmother puts him outside. Right. Maybe, as I pointed out off off uh, microphone to you, maybe the grandma puts him outside because something inside makes him stem more. We don't know. Overstimulated. Because, yeah, it's possible. Maybe she's watching her stories or, you know, whatever the hell. Something may, it may Usually be Usually when they're stimming, if they're overstimulated. Right. Or they're trying to... Say, hey, I need a drink of water, but they can't, can't use their words. Can't and they get, get so frustrated, yeah. it comes out as noises or of the flapping, the stimming. Right. Or yelling or screaming. Yes, if he's really because they're frustrated. you got to yeah. understand how, like, when you forget a word, you're like, shit, what's that word? Right. you got to Or we these, go Google it and yeah. find out what the word these is. These kids yeah. and young adults. They can't. They don't have that ability. Yeah. So it comes out differently. Yeah. Maybe, and I, we don't know this because we're not given this information in anything that accompanied the article online. Just the letter but, from your neighbor. Right. And, and responses from other uh, people who online have read this and were, right. were upset by it. But we don't know how much experience the grandmother has with the child. The child's 13. Yes. And he visits her in the summertime, apparently. Has but done. it doesn't. It doesn't matter if Grandma's experience was or not. I'm a mother of yes. an autistic child, and everything every day is different. But my point is this: if if I were to take care of my autistic grandchild, mm -hmm. and I didn't understand stemming, 
and its origins and its causes, right. I might not know what the proper thing to do is either. Right. So what I'm saying, suggesting is the possibility that grandma doesn't necessarily know, uh, although you would think since she at least has done this yeah, one, we don't more know, than one time. We don't know their side of the story. We don't know their side of the story. We don't know whether she knows how to deal creatively and effectively with whatever is upsetting him at the time. And apparently from the what little intelligible comment there was in the letter, and there was damn little of it, but what little comment there was, apparently this has occurred on more than one occasion. Yeah, it sounds that way. It sounds that way. So, And so Grandma he, could try to keep a grandson in the house, like with my nephew, he loves to be outside. Of course. Why he not? will. All kids like to be yes. out, especially in the summertime. Yes. Why not? But, uh, you know, he will have a fit because you won't let him outside if it's raining right, or whatever, and right. he wants to go. Right. And, and, again, we don't know if he's, like, running around in the yard screaming and hollering. We don't know. Uh, and and I am by no means, before anybody gets a misconception, I am by absolutely no means trying to find an excuse for this letter because, in my opinion, there, isn't there one. is no excuse for this letter. Uh if it would be one thing if the the letter writer who by the way was too spineless to admit to who they A were coward. um it would be one thing if that person went to the grandmother and yes. said you know this is really bothering me can you help me understand what's going on here yes and you know i'm sure that grandma could at least explain that what he was has going autism on. Right. and so on and you know that to me that would be sort of a creative way of dealing with the problem but, but to be euthanized to, well that and you know, to that live was in only a one trailer that was only one suggestion in the woods that the, where he doesn't need to yeah. be part of society obviously this person is unenlightened possibly uneducated in fact uh because you did hear me actually read verbatim what i was seeing you may have detected the fact that there were several grammatical errors in the letter so i would say that the level of education of this person could be questionable uh and we all know that enlightenment comes with education at least those of us who are enlightened and educated know that but what is she teaching her normal yeah. children well i don't know see there's you know there's normal and and then there's what is normal normally uneducated normally ignorant normally stupid normally insensitive normally uh i don't know you know what what's normal you're not normal i'm not normal no. nobody's normal no average perhaps uh but even then uh average only pertains to a very small circle of people yeah. you know this this group of people here in this room's average for this group of people in this room right but the guys next door, not so much, okay? Because yeah. the guys next door are different than yes. we are. So everybody's not normal. Everybody's not average. Uh, if we're all normal, what a boring world this would be. But uh, to to further support our contention that, uh, and, and we are about to express that contention, that individuals with disabilities uh can and frequently do bring so much more to the table than individuals such as the one who wrote that scathing piece of bullshit we are presenting as evidence of that fact several people to 
whom we would like to draw your attention. Did I say that backwards? Anyhow, we'd like you to know about these people, if you don't already. The first one we'd like you to know about is Temple Grandin. Oh, I love her. Temple Grandin was born August 29, 1947, in Massachusetts, which doesn't matter. Uh, she was diagnosed with autism at the age of two in 1949. Diagnosed and labeled with brain damage at that early age, she was placed in a structured nursery school, which she considers to have been good teachers or had good teachers for her. Uh, her mother spoke to a doctor who suggested speech therapy and hired a nanny who spent hours playing with Brandon and her sister. She suffered from, excuse me, delayed speech development. That's usually a sign of autism. Began speaking at the age of four. I also had a very close and dear friend who had a Ph.D. in chemistry and was a professor of chemistry for more years than I care to admit or more than she would care to admit. And she didn't start talking until she was five. So that may or may not necessarily indicate anything. Right, but that's okay. one of the signs. That is that, one of the signs. Yes. Um, she uh, had uh, de developmental guidelines anticipate a vocabulary of 8 to 10 words at eight, age 18 months. Uh, Grandin considers herself lucky to have had supportive members, mentors, I'm sorry, from primary school onwards. She had a very unpleasant time in high school. She was considered the nerdy kid. Everybody ridiculed and bullied her. When, her, when she walked down the hallways at school, her fellow students would taunt her by calling her tape recorder because she would repeat to herself constantly. She says she can laugh about that now, but it, very, it hurt her very much at the time. I'm sure it did. Temple Grandin is an American doctor of American science, of animal science, I'm sorry, and a professor at Colorado State University. She's a best-selling author, autistic activist, and consultant to the livestock industry. She also created the Hug Box, a device to calm autistic children, possibly when they're stemming. Yes, when they're feeling overwhelmed and overstimulated. Right. She was, is the subject of an award-winning biographical film, Temple Grandin, which was put out in 2010. She was listed in the Time 100 list of the 100 most influential people in the world in the heroes category. Go back to the hug box. In her movie, she was ridiculed by the school. Um, they were saying it was sexual. Oh. Because of the contraption she made. Oh. And they just didn't understand. Of course they didn't. Or they wouldn't have said it. All right, here's another. And I'm pretty sure you would all recognize this name. Mr. Bill Gates. Bill, Bill Gates is widely reported to display many personality traits characteristic of the condition known as Asperger's Syndrome. And I apologize for the rattling of papers. Asperger's is the, leading, the least disabling form of autism, and research is beginning to show that it may account for the presence of some special capabilities in areas like mathematics, computer science, 
and engineering. But the same genes may also create a person who is socially awkward, easily distracted, very introspective, and in many ways withdrawn and solitary. Doesn't seem to have hurt Bill Gates too much. No. Nor his bank account. No. <laughs> Helen Keller was born with the ability to see and hear. At 19 months old, she contracted an illness described by doctors as an acute congestion of the stomach and brain. I should say, actually, that Helen was born in the 1800s. That may help explain some of this. I didn't really mention that. Right. For those of you who do not know who Helen Keller was, most of this information we're giving you, by the way, is available on any good computer with or without Google. I use Google. You use Yahoo. I use Google. Whatever. Anyway, she had what the doctors described as acute congestion of the stomach and brain. I love that. It's so widespread. So sickeningly vague, which might have been their interpretation or what they were well, looking at. Well, you got to think that was a long time ago, what so medical they, technology wasn't. Right. What they were looking at may have been scarlet fever or meningitis. The illness left her both deaf and blind. At the time, she was able to communicate somewhat with the six-year-old daughter of the family, Cook, who understood her signs. At the age of seven, Keller had more than 60 home signs to communicate with her family, which I find really interesting because uh, there wasn't anyone to teach her those things. No. She taught herself that. Uh, a fact which, if you've ever seen The Miracle Worker, which is uh, a movie made about Helen Keller's life, that never gets mentioned either. No? It never gets, uh, you think attention that be... never gets made. I mean, they show her using signs that she used for, like, her mother and mm-hmm. so on, but they never really point out the fact that that nobody taught her that. Right. She taught herself that, in any case. Uh, In 1886, Keller's mother was inspired by an account in Charles Dickens' American Notes, which was written in 1842. It was uh, about the successful education of another deaf and blind woman named Laura Bridgman. You and I were talking about this, Lacey, before we started our podcast tonight, and I, I mentioned I found it fascinating that in 1842, Charles Dickens wrote an account of the education of a deaf and blind woman, and 44 years later, Helen Keller's mother picks it up, reads it, and finds a, a bridge to sanity for the whole family. Right. It just blows me away. In any case, uh, inspired by Dickens' book, uh, Helen Keller's mother sent Helen and her father to a doctor who was an, uh, an ear, nose, and throat specialist in Baltimore for advice. And he referred them to Alexander Graham Bell, who was at that time working with deaf children. I believe, too, if I'm not mistaken, Alexander Graham Bell's wife was also deaf. But I only think that because I saw it in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could or not be true. I'm not positive on that issue, so don't hold me to it. Bell advised them to contact the Perkins Institute for the Blind 
where the director of the school uh, asked a former student, 20-year-old Annie Sullivan, to herself visually impaired, to become Keller's instructor, which uh, if you've seen the movie, you know she did do. Yes, I'm anxious to see it, so I'm going to have yeah, to look for it's, it. It's, uh, it's mostly what it is, is it's about how Anne Sullivan taught Helen the meaning of words. If you can imagine just for a minute that you have a child who neither sees nor hears, how do you explain to that child what anything is? It has to be phenomenally difficult. Yes. In any case, uh, that's basically what the movie is about, was what she went through to teach Helen that there were names for things. Now, she's teaching her how to teach her with Braille. Well, but she had to teach her first why Braille existed, because uh, the child didn't know that there were names for things. She didn't know there were words that meant the names for things, and she didn't know there were letters that made up the words that meant the things. Right. So it was a monumental task. Right. In any case, Keller went on to become a world-famous speaker and author. She was an advocate for people with disabilities, a suffragist, and a pacifist. If you're not sure what those things are, look them up. She founded the uh, Helen Keller International Organization, which is devoted to research in vision, health, and nutrition. She helped to found the American Civil Liberties Union, known as the ACLU. She visited some 40-odd countries with Annie Sullivan, uh, several times going to Japan. She became a favorite of the Japanese people. Keller met every president of the United States, from Grover Cleveland to Lyndon Johnson. She was friends with many famous figures, including Alexander Graham Bell, Charlie Chaplin, and Mark Twain. She also wrote a total of 12 published books and several articles. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. Later in life, in September 1964, President Lyndon Johnson presented her with the Presidential Medal of of Freedom. I'm sorry. The Presidential Medal of Freedom one of the United States' two highest civilian honors. And in 1965, she was elected to the National Women's Hall of Fame in the New York World's Fair. And our last example of reasons to be supportive and uplifting of individuals with needs that are extremely different from our own would be Lawrence Kim Peek. Also known as? In a minute. Okay. He was known as a mega savant. He had an exceptional memory, but he also experienced social difficulties, possibly resulting from a developmental disability related to the congenital brain abnormalities he suffered. He was the inspiration for the character of Raymond Babbitt, played by Dustin Hoffman in the movie Rain Man. 
which you may have seen. And if not, I suggest you rent it and see it. Yes. Because it's really good. And it's a lot of fun, too. Uh, even though it deals with a, um, a sensitive subject, it deals with it in a very creative way, I believe. I do. Yes. And uh, it, um, it doesn't make fun of more than it makes light of yes. the situations that he dealt with and that his family dealt with. He was born in Salt Lake City in, with macrocephaly. Macrocephaly. I'm sorry. I I know how to say that word. I don't know why I've mispronounced it. Uh, he had also damage to the cerebellum and some other parts of the brain that it's not important for you to know about here. It was a condition in which the bundle of nerves that connects the two hemispheres of the brain was missing. In his case secondary connectors were also missing so he didn't have a backup brain no. plan as it were there's speculation that his neurons made unusual connections due to the absence of the ones that he needed that weren't there which resulted in an increased memory capacity according to his father kim was able to memorize things from the age of 16 to 20 months he read books, memorized them, and placed them upside down on a shelf later to show that he had finished reading them. This was a practice he maintained all his life. Yes. He could speed read through a book in about an hour and remember almost everything he had read, memorizing vast amounts of information in subjects ranging from history and literature, geography and numbers, to sports, magazines, music, and dates. He could read two pages at once, one with each eye. That's amazing. I can read one page with both eyes. It's amazing. He became a Hafiz after reading the Koran in 10 minutes. I had to look that word up. A Hafiz, and I hope I'm saying it properly, is, according to Muslims, a person who has completely memorized the Koran. He read it in 10 minutes. And memorized and it. And memorized it. That can't have been an easy thing to do for him so, yes so yeah for him yeah not so much for me no so those are a few examples of people that had special needs special disabilities special problems and yeah they were dealt with uncreatively a lot in their in their lives sometimes just through ignorance and sometimes through uh, aggressive bullying and, and uh, rage and anger and misunderstanding. Uh, and there are people in the world today who are trying still and will hopefully continue to try to reach out to individuals like this. Usually with autism, they grasp mm -hmm. onto one main subject. Who does? Usually people with autism. Okay. So like um, Temple Grandin, hers was animals. Right. My son is electronics, computers, right. video games, that right. sort of stuff. Right. They usually grasp and they learn as much Something. as they can right. on that one subject. That's their thing. They still learn the other subjects, yeah. but they run with one subject. How is that different from what you did as a child or what I did as a child? We all do that. We yes. all find something that we like in life. And we all zero in on that. We have to take in the input of other stuff. But our main love is whatever. Right. So 
that's they, me, they usually go like with my son what they would call normal that yeah. seems very normal to me you can ask Jaden when was the first time Meyer Brothers featured on the Mario Brothers game and he'll tell you Mario Brothers yeah 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 so he's got a good memory yes he does okay we're we're uh, advocating uh, the Autism Society, uh, in this case, of the Inland Empire. I understand from, uh, from information from Lacey that there is an Autism Society almost everywhere. Yes. In the country, at yes. least. And uh, at least that's the United States. I don't know outside of the United States. Oh, I've States. never been outside the United States, so I'm I, not sure. I don't know, but I'm sure that individuals, because we do have many listeners that are outside of our yes. country. We have listeners in Australia, Germany, Mexico. We have all sorts of listeners, all sorts of They can of probably Google places. it and see if they have one in their community if they need the help. Yes, and if not, I'm sure that uh, it's possible to get more information about the work that these societies do provide so that possibly you could be instrumental in, in uh, bringing them to your area. They are moving up to our high desert area Yay. soon. And they provide, among other things, free services and resources to families that are affected by autism. Uh, and, and you know your own self, Lacey, that there are so many needs, not just uh, for understanding and dealing with uh, a child with autism, but also in terms of medication that may be necessary, which is almost always ridiculously expensive. Yes. Uh, and and yet it helps. It helps uh, Jaden. I know from well, watching the medicine him. is not for autism. His medicine no. he takes is for ADHD. Right, hyperactivity Which is part of his syndrome. No. is it not? It's not. No. Oh, it's Although autism and ADHD, in the cases I've heard, seem to fall hand in hand. Yeah, they are two separate. Oh, okay. All right. So there you go. Yeah, we can have hyperactivity. We can have this is true. ADHD. There are ADHDs who mm -hmm. do not have autism. Yes, this is true. But for whatever reason, it seems autism and ADHD fall hand in hand. Okay. So and the medication helps. my son is on is for his ADHD, not for autism. Okay. Okay. I don't believe there is any medicine for autism at this point. No. Um, well, hopefully there'll be enough people because we know that the incidence of autism seems to be growing. The the diagnosis, if I'm not mistaken, I saw a really frightening number. Where was that in this article? And that article, I believe it said 1 to 75. Yeah, I believe it did say something like that. I know it was less than 1 out of 100 individuals are diagnosed with autism these days because we're beginning to recognize now what we see in children with autism where yes. uh, where before 50 years ago they did not necessarily uh so you know people say well gee how come it's so much more now than it was 50 years ago uh and the people answer is very simple ago, 50 years ago they didn't know what they were looking at and they can been misdiagnosed and you know because who was it in 1942 was diagnosed temple grandin yeah was yeah. diagnosed but they didn't all know i i promise you that because when my children were born uh i knew people who had children who were what we would have called misbehaved yes and uh they may or may not have been uh suffering from autism or asperger's or some other sort of of developmental problem that right. may have caused them issue my oldest son uh, has uh, dyslexia, and at the time he was uh, diagnosed, he was a first grader, and I'd never heard of it. I had yes. no 
idea. It scared the hell out of me when the when the teacher uh, actually his first God bless his first grade teacher said, uh, "I think he has a problem, mm-hmm. and I think you should take him to an ophthalmologist." And I was just dumbfounded. I had no idea what he was talking about, right. but I did it anyway, and took him. And sure enough, he was diagnosed as dyslexic. And when the doctor demonstrated for me what my son was up against and how he uh, dealt with his uh, inability to carry with him his sense of left and right was mm-hmm. basically how the doctor described it to me. Uh, I gained a whole new appreciation for many of the things that my son had been doing that could have been misconstrued as uh, behaving badly, his unwillingness to yes. follow directions and so on. And actually it's funny because the first time I noticed it, uh, before it was right about the same time that the teacher mentioned it, uh, the kids were downstairs in their den, in our den, and uh, the television was on, and they wanted to watch uh, Howdy Doody or something. And so I uh, said to the older child, I said, it, t- change the channel to number 13 or whatever. And he just kind of looked at me funny. And I said, it's, you know, the big dial up there on the, on the right-hand side of the TV, honey. Turn it to the left, two numbers. Uh-huh. And he just looked at me like You're talking I was from Mars. Yeah. His littler brother, three years his junior, gets up, goes over and turns a channel. Right. And when that happened I went, Holy fuck, my kid doesn't even know what's going on with left and right, right. here. And it wasn't two days later that his teacher had mentioned this problem and that's when I learned. You know, and I remember crying to the ophthalmologist and going, What did I do wrong? I remember teaching him when I, when he was a baby and we'd put his pants on, I'd say, let's put your left foot in and your right foot in and right. all that happy horse shit. And he said, there wasn't anything wrong with what you did. You did everything right. You just didn't know that his connectors in his brain hadn't developed yet because right. the visual connectors that carry the information to the brain are the last thing to develop in a human, according to this ophthalmologist. And his had not developed yet. And so when you were teaching him left and right, he wasn't learning it. He wasn't right. ready to learn it yet. By the time he physically was ready to learn it, you, you were, were teaching done it because you taught him. So that's another example far less uh, significant in impact on a person's life, certainly, than autism or Asperger's or uh, blindness or deafness or any of the other things that the people we've talked about today have have dealt with but i think i think what the moral of the story yeah i think what lacy and i want everybody to get out of this is be uh, understanding be tolerant um learn educate yourself uh because autism is not going to go away none of these are going to go away in my household we don't use it as a band-aid we don't use autism as no, a band-aid. No. Jaden gets treated like my daughter. Yep, he does. Um, I treat I try to treat him like I do. There's no special treatment. Else. No. I do pick my battles with Jaden. Um because if I were to fight every battle with Jaden, I would not be sitting here talking to you. Yeah, I'd be in a nursing home banging in my head. You'd, you'd be in a hug box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um we don't use it as sympathy. We don't use it no. as a card with school. And you don't and you don't want anyone else to. I know that from being no. here. I know I've known that from the beginning. 
Uh, I'll tell you, my son has autism. Matter of fact, so that'll be in, if you see him acting what's not normal. Mm-hmm. You have a little bit better understanding, but I don't yeah. want it as a sympathy card because I have no sympathy. You There's no, I don't, don't want, sympathy. no, I don't want sympathy. Yeah. Yeah. There's no sympathy. My son is normal. My son is a very smart, intelligent young man. And may someday uh, find his name. And he on might, the computer uh, someday too. Make Bill know. Gates run for his money. Bill Gates, yes, he may indeed. Uh, and so, like I said, people, what we're what we're really hoping that you get out of this, if you didn't already know this, uh, cut some people some slack. And you know, I don't even really care if it's people that are disabled or not. If you if there's somebody in your life that that is pissing you off and and bothering you and 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 you internalize it like the author of that letter did, and and make it sound like they were setting out to really piss just you off. Try to stop and think for a second why that might be happening and just take, I don't know, 10 breaths and turn around and smile and walk away or something because you just don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. Or go knock on. on the door and say, can I ask you a question? Or or if you're brave enough to ask them or maybe dumb enough, maybe they don't want to tell you. That's okay. But Usually the, the people point, with autistic, we're willing to well, explain to you. I'm talking about autistics now. Now I'm talking about anybody. Right. If if there's somebody that is that you're bothered by, just you know, let it. Just try to remember that you don't know what's going on in their head. Have patience. That's all we're saying. We're gonna take a little bit of a break right now, and compose ourselves, try to get back onto a more cheerful uh, track, and uh, and give you guys a chance to listen to a commercial message yes we'll be right back. back and now a word from our sponsors before 1971 a young s sadie burbank could only imagine a simple american life as a loving wife and mother that was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18 but with the wild social revolution of the 1960s Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and dried monkey meat for dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, 
matter better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt, or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50 you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus for an extra 10 bucks your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jaysamon.com. Okay, we're back, folks. We're back. And thanks very much for your letting us take a break. We appreciate it. We really needed that. Yes. David's in the room, giving his lovely wife a hug and a mooch. Say hello. And a hello. They don't get to see each other all that much. It's Tuesday night. <laughs> Still hungover from yesterday, aren't you? Oh, hey, we had a good show last night. We did have a good show last night. We did have. We're going we're gonna, to, uh, oh, thanks. Now the dog, that just, was the dog. dog just went through and kicked the mic. I there have a yellow lab. His name's That's Cody. Okay. If it wasn't me, it would be the dog. I, somebody's going to kick the mic all night long. How have you been this week? How have I been this week? Let me think. How have I been this week? I've been pissed at the weather. But me then, too. You know, I want rain. I, I know. We keep getting all these uh, thunderstorms that never dry. pan out. Well, actually, we shouldn't say that because less than 20 miles from us, they did get flooded. Well, just, okay, you I know. live on one end of town. The other town got other end of town right. got flooded. Right. We did get some rain at my house. Whatever. I actually saw drops of rain on the sidewalk. Uh-uh, because your husband left the sprinkler on. <laughs> I thought he did because he smelled rain. But actually, it's I... It's an ongoing joke because we don't get that much weather here. I, no, we don't. I told him, I said, honey, it's raining. And he go, and he gets up and he comes to see and it dried up by then. So oh, yeah, I don't yeah. know, I don't know sure what that means did. exactly. And, you know, I feel bad because we do have listeners in Ontario, Canada. Yeah, and they're getting flooded. And they're getting flooded like crazy, or were anyway, yeah. uh, because I guess they have, like, snow melt and then, then spring rains, and, you know, there's nowhere for it to go. The right. ground's already saturated. It runs off and into people's houses and things. And it's That's really a, ugly. I've never had a flood, but it sounds like a mess. Oh, it is. I actually moved into uh, a town when I was a kid. We moved into a town after floodwaters had receded we lived in a place called woodland washington when i was a kid okay and uh my dad was a preacher there that was his actually first church that okay. he got to preach at i mean real church that was his to preach at cool and uh when we moved there the town had just recovered from uh the lewis river i believe it was had flooded the area and i'm telling you 
people who've done this will know what I'm talking about. The ones of you that haven't won't. Um, there is nothing in the world that smells exactly like a town after a flood, except a town after a flood. It's a, it's a, it's a combination of musty, moldy, wet, yuck kind of smell. Oh. It's really nasty, and it does take a long time for it to dry out and yeah. go away. And especially in the, this is in the Pacific Northwest in Washington State, uh, where it doesn't really dry out that much in most of the parts of the state. There's a deserty part, but for the most part, no. So it's kind of hard for it to all dry out and everything. And I remember that. I was uh, so it was very humid. Uh, well, it was kind of humid, but I mean to say that it it's not like here, right? Okay, like in the desert where we live now. Uh, but I was uh, eight, eight, see, seventh, fourth grade, fourth grade, duh, third and fourth grade. What age is that? Um, eight, six, seven, eight seven. years old. Yeah, depending on. In my case, I was. I wasn't held back any, so I guess I was about eight years old. I remember fourth grade, I was eight years old. So in any case, um, I still remember some, oh, <clears throat> several years later, that <laughs> what that smell was. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Um, so anyhow, we didn't get any rain. Uh, it's still in the hundreds. I don't Too like hot. That. I don't do good in the heat. I know. I don't either. But that's why we have two fans God, and air conditioner thank, going. Yeah, thank God we have air conditioning, electricity, and fans, and all that good stuff. I never, I never go through a summer in the desert. But what I think of of our pilgrim forefathers and mothers. We were talking about that yeah. not too long ago. Can you imagine actually going from point A to point B out here in no. this heat? And at, us women and, uh, having our personal problems during the month. With a yeah, with a. With a in a wagon train walking along behind a wagon train or or driving the baby a on your hip. mule team behind a, you know and you're having your period and you've got a baby hanging off of you and you, either that or you're about to give birth and you've got a baby hanging off of you six seven kids I just you know I can't I just can't even I can't even go there I don't know how no. the hell they did it I don't know they were some strong yes. women strong women to to make it you know, across the, the open desert and the plains and yeah, to make it across the, the, the West, you know, from wherever the hell they were in the East right. to the West coast. It must and the have snow been just and the rain and the heat. And Plus they didn't have roads. No. I mean, they didn't have roads. That was a roads. bumpy ass ride. They had, the, you went up a mountain, you went up a mountain, you went yeah. down the mountain. You know, and you, we've all seen movies about that. Yes. You know, until you until you get out in this heat without water someday. Forget I don't know it. about you, but we never go anywhere without anywhere. I mean, we go to the grocery store. We're taking our water with yeah. us always because you just never know when you're going to break down. Yeah, car's going to break down. You're going to get delayed. Somebody's going to have an accident. You're going to be stuck in traffic. Whatever uh -huh. the fuck, and you're not going to have any water to yeah. drink. And in the desert, you don't do that. No, you don't. So anyhow. That's how I've been. How about you? Hot. 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 <laughs> Hot. And sick of it. Yes, I'm ready for fall. I'm more of a fall. Yeah. And I'm ready well, for... Well, you've got a lot coming on this fall, too. You've got the baby's birthday coming yes, up. Yes, Meemaw. Meemaw birthday party. She's going to have Meemaw. My daughter's going to be two. And Meemaw and she is what she Mickey calls Mouse. Mickey Mouse. Yes. So, so she's having the Mickey so Mouse So I'm planning theme. her birthday party, and I'm doing a lot of the crafts. Yeah, party you're doing a good myself. job. Thank you. 
I think they're cute. She's made um, little Meemaw heads. I took styrofoam. In the living room here. Oh, there's not that many. Well, there's six. No, there's six. I so have far. took two styrofoam balls, one bigger and then two small ones, and painted them black and, and glued them. And put a bow on them. And then for the Mickey Mouse, I just left them black. And for Minnie Mouse, I pinned on Oh, I get it. The Minnie Mouse um, ones have bows. bows. Yeah. Yes. And the plain ones don't. That's no, cool. No, that's Mickey. That's very cool. I think that's so cute. Are you going to make a Meemaw cake, too? No, we're going to do cupcakes. Cupcakes work. I got off of, I believe it was Amazon. They're little sprinkles. And here I told our listeners in the beginning, they'd never hear a cupcake recipe. Brace uh, yourself, folks. There's a well, recipe about to come up. Not the recipe. It's <laughs> just little Mickey Mouse um, uh, head sprinkles. Oh, no shit. Really? They're pink and little green. Little head sprinkles? Yeah, they're so Does the baby cute. know that's what they are? Can she tell? They're so She tiny. doesn't know about them. She doesn't know yet. No. Oh, my God. That is so cool. I love it. Yeah, I'm wait. just... I'm We're just... coming, you know, Grandpa and yes. Grandma coming to the... We call ourselves Grandpa and Grandma. To the baby, because I'm here all the time. I'm here three days a week, which is probably sounds kind of disgusting to the rest of you. But for us, it's working because Lacey and I go to the gym three yes. days a week where we go. And uh, we should clarify that. Maybe we should tell them what we do. Should we tell okay. them what we do? Okay, we go to the gym, but we do, Um, it's called Whole, whole body, body Vibrations. Vibration. It's a machine we stand on. And it shakes us. And it shakes us. <laughs> And it's working. Yeah, we're losing Girls inches. and guys. We're losing inches. We've I've been going. strength in my legs. Less than two months? Yeah, well, two and a half months. But and we the had last... two weeks off for vacation, and you guys were sick yes. one week. So the... And I'm six foot two one. And I'm a decent-sized girl, and I've already lost 12 inches. So yeah. I'm like, yay! And I'm not six one, which makes it even sadder, because I'm also a decent-sized girl, but I'm way shorter. So I'm even decent-sizeder. But, uh, and I didn't lose as many inches, but, uh, but I have the reason knee, why you were going is different too. Yeah, I have knee replacements, both knees and, uh, anybody that's ever had a knee replacement or a cut across your knee for any reason, you know, that you lose some of the, uh, nerves they, because they actually, the nerves, um, uh, I don't know if you know it or not, but it, you know, here we go into the medical part. <laughs> The nerves are actually long strands of stuff, and they're inside your body, okay? And in the case of your knees, your your nerves actually run from, like, way up high on your legs, down past your knees, and down okay. lower on your legs. And when they cut and operate on your knees, they sever those nerves. Right. And uh, sometimes they manage, after surgery, to find their way back to their selves right and reconnect and and refire and sometimes they don't and i was left with a, a large loss of tactile sensation that is to say i couldn't feel too much in my knees after my second knee surgery not so much my first but after my second one and uh interestingly enough though it was never suggested it might be a possibility one of the things that I've gotten out of this whole body vibration thing is those nerves have reconnected. I know that's so awesome. I can feel my knees. I can when I touch my knee now. I can feel me touching that's it where awesome. before I couldn't. I know it's totally good. And you also went on vacation and you got to hike up the mountain. I could hike up the mountains that before I had to use a cane and my husband had to drag me up the hill and everything like that. So my legs are stronger. Um, my bruises go away way, way, way faster. And that is for the um, circulation. The circulation. My blood the... circulation is way improved. 
So pretty much that's what I wanted out of And the of funny it. thing is, it takes us longer to get to the gym than our actual yeah, workout. Yeah, because it takes like 20 minutes to do the workout, which uh, they say is the equivalent of an hour actually like doing a treadmill or weightlifting pumping or, iron right. or whatever the hell. And it's so like way easier. So if you And know, it works for me because I have sciatica. Yeah, and that you're getting relief from. Yes, and if I were to do the normal gym, I think I would aggravate it and be bed rest. And my hump is going down. Yay! You're supposed to say what hump? What <laughs> hump? What <laughs> hump? Hump? <laughs> well, you know the the uh, the fat back, as it were, uh, right below my hairline uh, line is uh, is diminishing. Uh, and I used to have like hulky shoulders, you mm-hmm, know, like, and they're going the down, hump, and they're they're diminishing too. So I find that totally cool. My my, I haven't got measured lately. We're gonna get measured next week. So we're gonna we're gonna we'll schedule that tomorrow. As to how much, how many inches we've lost. But the interesting thing about this is, it, it, it sounds probably to a lot of people that are hearing about it the first time, is they're going, yeah, right. Uh, this is actually developed by NASA. Yes. For the space program, because uh, astronauts don't get a lot of exercise in space. And I don't know whether they use these machines up there or afterwards. I got to tell I you. I think it would have Probably, to be afterwards. Yeah, I can just see them going. Before and that after. That weighs how many pounds? And no. Anyhow, uh, so then there's um, sports like. Um, NFL. Yeah. Teams is what I'm trying to get yeah. the word out. Sports teams that use it. The San Diego Padres, I believe. And there are colleges that use it. Yes. And celebrities that use it. So, and if you want to know what it is, what are you looking at? Why is he frowning? Uh-huh. He doesn't like something. It doesn't look normal to him. Is it David just came in and he's looking at, at our computer. Are we're we, okay. We're okay. Okay. It's Shh. because we took a break. I hope so. All and right. I push stop, then I push record again, so it's just... It just um, looks different. Yeah. Okay. We're okay. Well, anyhow, if you're interested in what this is, and we're Google. making no money off of this, I promise you. No. But I just wanted to tell you what we're doing at the gym. It's called Whole Body Vibration. And you can Google it, and it'll tell you all about what that is. And it's real interesting stuff, it, and it works. I mean, yes. I'm happy with it, and it doesn't cost us a fortune, and it's great fun to do and i wouldn't do it if Lacey didn't go with me no we're gym buddies so that's what we're that's why we spilled our secret about the gym yeah i'm here three days a week because of that and then monday nights david and i podcast on what we think and then tuesday nights you and i podcast on don't let don't get us started and uh i don't know if we're going to start up something else again or not i jeez i hope not how many more minutes do we have before i think of starting on something I can't tell. I don't know how to do this. If it wasn't we for David, we only have like seven minutes. I seven would say minutes. seven minutes is good enough time to pick on somebody. We just got through telling people we shouldn't pick on people because they have difficulties of one type or another. Right. That we should keep it to ourselves. I don't think we're going to be picking, but maybe getting a better understanding. Oh, that's a good rationale for it. Yeah. I think what we're doing is we're. I the way I look at what we're about to do is. We're doing this in the privacy of our own home. We're making fun of conditions that we find uh, weird or obsessive or whatever or taboo. Uh, And this is not to say they're wrong, but at the same time. We uh, giggle because we don't understand. Yeah, well, or in some cases we do understand and we still giggle. (laughs) But but we mean it in, in a not. Um, what's the word I want? Harmless or not harmful 
way. We're not saying these people are bad or should be euthanized or anything else like that. No. We're just saying, wow, that's weird. So uh, let's see. We were talking about <laughs> we were talking about um, the we just I just learned about this like last I don't know year or so. There are people, many yeah. apparently, who uh, form emotional and sexual attachments to objects. inanimate objects. Yes. Uh, there is a gentleman who, and, and we're not telling stories out of school here because these guys have been on TV, okay? Yes. So it's not like, uh, it's not like we're telling you something they haven't already said. Right. Um, there's a guy who's in love with his car. And you know what? Yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, he, he makes love to his car. Yeah, with, well, inside his car, he. No, he goes up underneath. Um, oh, does he? Oh, I thought he sat the hood in the car. Of the car, the oh. hood of the car in between the two real two wheels. Yeah. Whatever. I'm not a mechanic. Sorry, guys. No, that's okay. He slides up underneath the car, and, and he kisses the bumper because that's his car's lips, and he like goes, foreplay. "Oh, he goes underneath there, and he masturbates, having sex with his car." Okay, there you go. So, yeah, uh, <clears throat> lends a whole new meaning to the term muffler. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It can be kind of cold. Yeah. Wet in the winter. Oh, yes. And maybe he does it in the garage. No, this was in his driveway. Yeah, and I remember his father was also in the show, if I'm not mistaken. Wasn't his dad in the show and his dad was kind of questioning him? Yeah, kinda yeah. kinda wondering how that was gonna pan out for them. Yeah. You know. Well, now there was the movie Cars. You know, I mean, the they Disney. have great personalities, oh, cars yes. do. And you ask any guy, they'll tell you they love their car. Yeah. Uh, well, almost any guy. Right. Or he doesn't love his car because it's 87 Ford Taurus. What's the love? But <laughs> uh, it, it is wheels and it does get him to work and back. But, I mean, uh, guys with cool cars love oh, their yeah, they GTOs got their buff their on and them. And what on them? Buff. You know, buff, buff, oh, they buff the paint. Them, yeah. Mm. Buffs you know, on them too. I think he buffed I, himself on that car uh, a couple of times. Yeah, <laughs> and it was a red. What was it? Oh, I don't know it if was it was a sports a, car. Was it? I don't it? know if it was a Mustang. I don't know, but that would be cool if it was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no. Yeah, that'd be totally cool if it was a Mustang. What are you doing? I'm uh, just out buffing my Mustang. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, so there's that one, and then there was a lady that got married recently. To a bridge. I heard about that. I can't remember now whether I saw that on TV. I don't I think seen so. I it online. Or online. I think I saw it online. Yeah, I didn't and read all got, of like, it. she got, like, all dressed and everything. I mean, she had the wedding gown, the bouquet. I don't know who caught the bouquet afterwards. Was it maybe the crick or what? <laughs> I'm not sure. River. I guess it was a bridge over a river. I'm not sure. But, um, I mean, she, you know, she loves her bridge. Okay. She she refers to the bridge as a male personage. Okay. Uh, and calls him him. How does she feel about all the cars riding over her man? Apparently, <laughs> she thinks that's cool. Okay. I don't know exactly. I don't think she's jealous. I'd hope not because she's got uh, a problem and there. Then, and then people do walk across him also, but apparently she's so he's cool being about rode too. on and crossed, walked across, right? And walked on, and one would have to assume he likes it. I mean. If he's happy that's what his main purpose is. <laughs> exactly, he's totally fulfilling his uh, goal in life is to be a bridge. I don't know. I don't know because and the, and she talks to him too. And this is kind of the weird part for me. 
is, you know, I mean, because you and I have talked about how I don't think I could do a podcast by myself because I can't imagine just sitting here talking to the mic all by myself. Right. I really kind of need to have an actual person there right. to talk to. I, I wonder what he tells her. Well, see, that's just it. I this don't know how spit oil on me today. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. How was your day? Oh, I was <laughs> It's the pits, man. I got run over. I don't know. <laughs> I have a new I, pothole, honey. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, you know, and I can, and I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm missing the point, and they would say I was, surely, uh, that I'm missing the point. Because obviously this has got to be sort of a one-sided thing. I would think so. I, Fancy's uh, although, concrete and steel. Now, there was the lady that was in love with uh, the Eiffel Tower. I saw her. Oh? Too. I think I was, that one was on TV. Don't know. Yeah, weird people and yeah. the things they do or something like that. And she was in love with the Eiffel Tower, all 479 steps of him or whatever. And uh, I think she married him, too. And this is not the same lady that married the bridge. Okay. Phew. Uh, yeah, and then there was another one who was in love with the wall, too. There's a lot of this going on. Yeah. A lot of this is going on, which is cool. I mean, I can see if you had a bad relationship with a but human. But who's going to do the dishes? Well, there aren't any dishes. The bridge doesn't fucking eat. You know? Well, I mean, she can go out to eat, come back to the bridge. Okay. What's, there's no harm there. Same with the tower. You know? I mean, it's just, towers don't have dishes. Towers don't eat. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, though, that cheap we're, date. I think we're trying to, uh, this is going to be the wrong word, but those of you who understand it will understand why I use it. I think we're sort of trying to anthropomorphize this thing, which is, to to lend it a personage a personality that may not really be part of their plan, although the the woman does call the bridge him. Okay. The other lady called the tower him. Okay. I think the guy called his tower called his car her. her. Yes. Uh, I I think it may. And I don't remember her name. She no, had a name. I don't either. I I think it may. There may be a limit beyond which they don't carry the the terms of response right although the guy said that he was pretty sure his car liked all the buffing uh-huh. that he did on it so i and he know. would get in the car and rev it up oh baby you like that that's right he was yes he was that's right yeah okay so well i don't know um because i never have it let me think was i ever in love with an inanimate object let me think before i say no when i was a little girl did i not love my doll Yes, but was that my was... doll not inanimate? Yeah. Okay. Could my doll talk to me? I don't know. Could she? Could she do dishes? I don't know. No, I'm here to tell you she. I couldn't. watch a lot of hauntings, so could she? No, 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 absolutely. I've not. watched Toy Story too. You don't know what she's done when you leave the room. I know. It's like the cobbler's shoes. They're <laughs> doing all sorts of things when uh, when you're not looking, but. No, I, you know, I, I, now that I think about it, I, I did love inanimate objects. Why don't we say that too? Where'd you get that necklace? I loved it. Yeah. Okay. So how far do we carry that? You know, apparently not as far as some other people do. No. And so who's to say? Right. And, and uh, I, if they were here, I'd throw rice. I think people did. We can't throw rice anymore. Yeah. You know, that's a whole bunch of bullshit too. Because they say it's not good to throw rice because it swells up in the bird's stomach and kills them. Yeah, which is bullshit because birds eat seeds. Hello? Yeah. (laughs) What's that? What's that about? I'm not sure. I don't either. So we blow bubbles now. Anyway, yeah. I like rice. 
I did the first time I got married. I got a picture of it. You know, uh-huh. there's rice in our hair. It was very cute. Uh, when I got married, they I don't think we could throw rice then. They didn't throw it. No, I think they stopped that about 70 years ago. No, I haven't been. I'm not that old. It's not been I'm that old, long. but I'm not that old. Let's get, how are we doing on time? I always um, have to ask because. We're just about. What does over. that mean? Just about is a minute. We're over. We're, we're done. We're over. Okay, guys. Well, then <laughs> we, David's going to have to do a little cutting here, a little snip, snip. Uh, thanks for being with us today and listening to us if you did. And uh, let us know how you feel about us. We do have. Uh, an email deal set up on the uh, uh, podcast. It's so simple. You just go to comments, click on comments, and but what's it will the web take address? You, it'll take you right to the email address. All you have to do is pick which show you want to comment on, and then which episode. David was so of kind enough to set that up. Yeah, he set that up for us, and it's so simple. A child of three can do it. Just go to click on comments, follow the prompts as they say where you go to pick out which show you want to comment about and which episode of that show you want to comment about, and then type in your comment. We will read every email that comes, good, bad, or ugly. There's one of the dogs now, speaking of ugly. And um, that's about it. I'm Miss Sadie Burbank. And I'm Lacey Montoya. And we're really glad you joined us tonight. Hope we see you again soon, or at least you hear us soon. Yes. Good night. Good night. (laughs) I know, I know. Stop that. Stop no. it. This microphone stand is awesome. I am going to get the squirt bottle out. No, don't do that. I will. That's rude. Get off that. Get <laughs> off that. But I really love no. it. <laughs> and, you know, I, 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 the the one thing they forgot to mention about their, uh, their workout secrets, mm-hmm. steroids. That works, too. Yeah, that works really well. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I've always noticed. People always say, a little exercise will never kill you. I say, why take the chance? Exactly. Uh huh. That's right. My favorite motto. Well, eat eat right, exercise, die anyway. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay. That goes back to the CSI theory. Uh, If you take up jogging, don't joggers always find the body? They do. I don't want to find a body. No, don't take up jogging. You'll never find a body. I see. I'm loving this already. Yeah, it's a good theory. Mm hmm. It'll work that way. People always tell me, come to the gym, come to the gym. Say, Why would I pay money to ignore their equipment when I have equipment at home I can ignore? Exactly. Free. Exactly. <sighs> I agree. All right. Let's get on with our third third. Our third third is from Sheer Darkness. Oh. Number three entitled Paranormal Activity. Uh, I now want to watch that VHS trailer again. That was something else. That was freaky. Yeah. VHS viral. Check it out. Okay. So this one, <laughs> Terry continues on about his childhood. <laughs> And then gets into his experiences with paranormal activity and UFOs. Nice. It's like a Fox Mulder kind of thing. Yeah. I'm going to call him Fox next time I see him. He's going to call you Dana. Probably. Probably. If he knows you. If he, if he knew if me. If he knew me? If he knew you. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I've ever met him. <laughs> Considering he's halfway across the country. Halfway? No, he's pretty much all the way. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're over here and he's we over there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Start the episode. Here it comes. Paranormal activity. Greetings, everyone. I'm Terry D. Shearer. And I am David K. Montoya. And I bid you all welcome to Shearer Darkness. Let me first start off by apologizing for not getting this out sooner. I've, I've had some personal uh, issues that I had to attend to this week, this last end of the week. So 
Uh, that's why it's running late, so I do apologize for that terror, and I apologize to the listeners as well. Um, I was wondering, while you were in, you know, doing the introduction, um, since we've been doing this for about three weeks now, I was just curious to see how you holding up, how's your health doing, how you, how are you feeling? I uh, haven't been feeling too well this past week. Uh, just basically extremely fatigued. I, I can't seem to stay awake more than a couple of hours at a time. I just, wherever I am, I just sit down and close my eyes and before I know it, I'm asleep. Um, the other thing that's really bothering me is the freaking cold up here. I know we're only a few miles from the Arctic Circle, but God, this is just bloody hell. Um, we're in our second week now of temperatures which are below freezing day and night. Uh, it's supposed to get down to minus two tonight. Uh, took the dog out the other morning and it was two degrees. Daytime temps have been, you know, highs of 12 to 18 degrees, but that's still quite a bit below freezing. We've got snow on the ground that's been here for over two weeks. We still have occasional flurries, and that just makes it worse. But yeah, it's even in the house. I can't. I, I just can't. Can't stay warm. Been having you know like chills. And I don't think I've got a fever yet. But it's just so freaking cold. And you know, for a guy who spent 50 years of his life in California, Southern California, that. This is just extremely unpleasant. But beyond that, I uh, saw my oncologist this week, my cancer doctor. Oh, how did that go? It's my usual three-month visit. And uh, started off bad. I mean, I, I didn't want to go out into the cold. And I, but I did, you know, I had to go get my treatment. But I, I got in there and my, my blood pressure was uh, 190 over 100. Good God, that's high. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a bit high. And uh, I heard about it from everybody. Everybody was pissed off. And uh, I, I take five, five, one, two, I take five blood pressure medications a day. I'm supposed to take some of them twice a day. And uh, I, I don't always take all of my medication when I'm supposed to because uh, on top of the five blood pressure medications, I take uh, 10 other medications on a daily basis. So that's 15 prescriptions that I have to pay for every month. And, you know, plus my wife is on uh, her own medications, which we have to pay for too. So like many people on Social Security, I don't always take my medications, so I don't have to pay for them as often. However, you know, the nurse told me that I was a walking stroke waiting to happen. And I, I did have a, a minor stroke about 16 years ago. And my blood pressure was a lot higher then, but 
you know, still not good. So I'm trying to take my medication like a good boy, but I don't like it. So my uh, I had my PSA test done, and it had gone up a little bit to 7.1. What was it originally? Uh, that's up from 5.4 three months ago. So that means that even though I'm still taking the uh, medication every three months, it no longer seems to be holding cancer in check. It's just creeping up a little bit at a time, which is extremely annoying. And I've, uh, I've also noticed that I've had a little more pain in that area <clears throat> periodically in the past, past three months, so I knew things weren't going as well as they should have been, but that, uh, you know, that's the way it goes, hey? doctor said that he'd give it one more three-month stint. I had, a, you know, another injection when I was at the office to see what my uh, PSA is next time, and if it's still going up, then he'll have to uh, consider other forms of treatment. But he did say that other forms of treatment are more prone to side effects. So we'll have to uh, discuss that to see what the hell they can do with anything about that. So. That's pretty much how I'm feeling. Well, for the most, uh, I'm very grateful that you, you are still able to sit down and talk with me and, and for the listeners out there. Um, it, it means a lot, and I do enjoy conversations. Um, I was thinking, because it was getting really good and really deep, and, and we ran out of time last time, um, I was thinking, how about we pick up where you left off, you know, talking about your childhood and... I'll go from there. Okay, Dave. Well, my mother told me, you know, over and over again that I was a very happy child. And I just don't remember all that many happy experiences I had as a child. Oh, yeah, there were some. I mean, we went to Disneyland in California the first summer it opened. That was pretty cool, and then uh, we went every year after that during the summer. At least, uh, well, my mom was still married, and there were, you know, a few other occasions that I remember were really pleasant. But damn, they say they just seemed to be few and far between. I, you know, I I, I do remember that when I was a uh, you know, young kid. Walk to uh, school every day, elementary school. And uh, my mom didn't drive in those days, so uh, we all walked. There were several kids on my block that were the same age as I was, but uh, I basically walked to and from school with my lifelong friend who lived up the street from me. <laughs> And, uh, 
it was all it was all through uh, residential sections, you know. And it took about you know, 40, 40 minutes, I guess, to walk to school. You know, we had little legs, and it was a it was a sizable distance. And you know, kids don't walk very fast anyway. But after uh, after school, I would come home. I think it was about. I guess it was probably four o'clock. I guess we got out of school about three, and my my grandmother was usually there uh, to maybe babysit. My mother was working or going to school, all those things. And my my grandmother was always there, and she would be watching her soap operas. And in those days, the two that she watched were The Edge of Night and The Secret Storm. Still remember those, and they were only 15 minutes long in those days. Okay, 15 minutes was the whole episode, and they were shot live. And there was like a uh, three or four minute commercial before the show started, and then a two or three minute commercial after the show was over. And pretty much the uh, the other 11 or 12 minutes was all show. And of course, they were called soap operas because they were uh, sponsored by soap companies. So anyway, we'd, we'd, we'd sit there and, and she'd give me a snack or something and we'd watch the, the two soap operas. And then Amos and Andy came on. Um, this is the early 50s, remember? And Amos and Andy TV show was, uh, was on. That there were a lot of a lot of half hour TV comedy shows on uh, many that I still remember. Of course, they were all started by I Love Lucy back in 1950-51, whenever she and Desi started that app. But there were so many more after that, you know. Minnie Love, Jim Toby Gillis, Bruce Susanna, My Mary Joan, The Life of Riley, Oh That Bob. I mean, they were just lots of them. The uh, Burns and Allen show, George Burns, Casey Allen. Uh, then there were always TV shows on uh, kids, too. Like uh, Sheriff John, Bozo the Clown, Chuck on the Clown, too. Um, Howdy Doody. And then there were sort of action-adventure shows, like the Tin Tin and the Wagon Train, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, there was uh, sufficient television to keep us amused, uh, but we didn't, even, we didn't even get a TV until later on. TV on a block showed up. All, all the adults went over to this person's house. Can't remember who it was, but they all went over to that house and watched a couple of hours on TV on this little tiny black and white screen. And it was just freaking amazing. And based on what you missed. And then, of course, we had we had uh, 
party line telephone. If you ever hear that. No, I can't say I have. What is it? Back in the old days, um, to keep prices down, I guess, more than one person was on your phone line. And it might have been somebody from your neighborhood. It might have been somebody from across town. It didn't matter. But each phone line would have a different series of rings. So if it rang three times in rapid succession, the phone call might be you. But if it rang twice or four times or five times or something like that, it was for somebody else on your party line. And you never knew if somebody was on the phone until you picked it up and then you could hear the conversation. Very, very weird. But uh, that didn't last but a couple of years and then they got more equipment out there and, and uh, more people got their own phones and it was pretty much just a, a normal phone line. We've talked about your grandmother We've, well, we haven't talked to her about her on air, but, you know, over the years, you know, we've, we've had the conversation about your grandmother and the closeness that you had with her, and, and you've touched up on it, so, you know, here in the last episode as well. Um, and I remember you, you were saying something when she passed away. Uh, there was something paranormal, uh, some type of paranormal experience that happened uh, do you remember what that was I don't know what else to call it um, whether it was paranormal which is just something beyond normal something unusual that isn't experienced on a regular basis or whether it was supernatural I, I really don't know I haven't really uh, talked about this to many people at all but uh, I'll, I'll give you just a bit of background first. It was 1971. My first wife and I were living in Orange County in Southern California. And our daughter had just been born in June. My grandmother was still living in the um, original apartment building that we moved to in 1951 when we first came to California. She was in a, a different apartment, but it was in the same building. And her son, my uncle, who owned the building when they moved in there in 51, had long since sold the building and moved off to God knows where. I don't know. We lost touch with him. So I don't know where they were, but she was still living there by herself. And she... Uh, collapsed one day on the floor of her apartment and apparently uh, wasn't discovered for at least two days. She was still alive, but she was dehydrated and paralyzed. At least her extremities were paralyzed. She could still talk and think, but she couldn't move. So she was taken to a hospital, and initially the doctors thought she had suffered a massive stroke of some sort. First in 1971, the uh, 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 medicine had not 
reached its current uh, position, so uh, the doctors were actually wrong with their diagnosis of her, but they didn't discover that error until it was too late. <clears throat> I believe this happened like on a Friday, and since my mother and I were the only relatives she had in the area at that time, we sort of split the uh, visitation and staying with her. I would stay during the day and keep her company, and then my mother would come over to spend the night there. So I guess it was, uh, I can't remember if it was a Saturday or Sunday night, but my mom came in to, uh, to spend the night with her, and I, I drove home. Now, hospital my grandmother was in is in Long Beach, and it was about a 40-45 minute drive from the hospital to where I lived in Orange County. And uh, I, I went home and got something to eat, I guess, and, and then went to bed. But I couldn't sleep. And as I lay there in bed, awake, looking up at the ceiling, suddenly over in, in the corner of the room where the, the walls and ceiling bed, uh, glowing orb or light appeared. It's about the size of a baseball and it was just a pulsing yellow-white light. And it slowly moved across the wall and stopped pretty much right where, right in front of me, where I was laying on the bed. I could see it perfectly right there on the, up near the ceiling on the wall. And it pulsed about three times very rapidly, very brightly, and then it moved quickly back toward where it first appeared and disappeared. Now, <clears throat> I was not frightened or shocked or anything by this apparition. I was surprised, but since I'd always been interested in odd things, the paranormal, supernatural, whatever, I was not disturbed by this. However, I suddenly decided that I had to get back to the hospital. I didn't know why, but I just had this unmistakable urge to get back to the hospital where my grandmother was. So I got up, started getting dressed, and, and woke my wife up, and, and she's saying, what are you doing? Where are you going? And I told her, I, I have to go back to the hospital. And she asked me why, and I said, I don't know. I just have to go back. So I drove another 40 minutes back up to the hospital, and 
went upstairs to uh, my grandmother's room, and my mother is there reading a book. And she looked up and she says, "Well, what are you doing back here?" And I said, "Again, I I don't know. I just felt I had to come back." And I walked over to the bed and I took my grandmother's hand, and she appeared to be sleeping. And when I picked up her hand, she let out a deep sigh and didn't breathe again. My mother put her fingers against her wrist to feel her pulse, and she felt her last heartbeat, and she was dead. She died. So, all I can assume is that my grandmother's spirit called out to me and wanted me to come back so she could pass away in peace. I don't know. But the fact that she waited until I came back to the room and held her hand before she died must mean something. <clears throat> and uh, it turned out that uh, what my grandmother had contracted was a a disease called Guillain-Barre, and that's a uh, progressive neurological disease that starts at the extremities and works its way up through the body, and it uh, paralyzes the, uh, the muscles of the body. And when it gets to the diaphragm, if the patient isn't on the ventilator at that point, it paralyzes the diaphragm, which means you can no longer breathe, and without oxygen being uh, passed through the heart and into the brain, the heart stops, the brain stops, and you die. So while I was there during the day, I uh, saw some of the, the meager treatment my grandmother was receiving, and uh, they were doing something that was relatively new at that time, and I was giving her breathing treatments to help, well, to help her breathe, uh, spans the lungs pumps uh, medication into the lungs, and uh, it is supposed to uh, make you breathe easier. Now, if she had been on a ventilator, which means she would, would have been intubated and had a machine there by the bed that was actually breathing for her, she would not have died, because even if her diaphragm wasn't working, the machine would have pumped oxygen into her lungs and 
that would have been carried to her heart and her brain, and she would have lived <clears throat> because the uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome will reverse itself if it doesn't kill the patient. Well, regardless, they, they, they fucked up on that one, and, and she died. But I, when I saw the, uh, the respiratory therapist giving her breathing treatments, it opened up a, a whole new chapter of my life. I uh, investigated this position, this job, and discovered that uh, it was a relatively new aspect of the medical field before recently before I uh, saw my grandmother receiving these treatments it had been the nurse's responsibility to do these breathing treatments and uh, eventually they decided that they needed a professional respiratory therapist to do this instead of the nurses. So they started teaching this course, respiratory therapy, and I signed up for this course in September. Um, in college, I initially, when I started college, I was initially an art major. I, I didn't know what else to be at that time. But uh, after the first year or so, I switched over to uh, biological sciences. So I was already taking, uh, I had already taken anatomy and physiology classes and a number of other things that have to do with uh, the human body and such. So I had a head start when I joined this class, signed up for the class, the respiratory therapy class, and uh, I already knew quite a bit of what they were going to be teaching. I didn't know that at the time, of course, but um, the basic anatomy and physiology parts of the body, I already knew. So all I had to really learn was how to work the machines and such as that. So... Um, it was a year-long course, but by the time I, I got into the ninth month, I was pretty much disgusted with what they were trying to teach you. So I challenged the course, took the final exam, got a 98 on it, passed it, and was done with the class, and then went out and got my own internship at a local hospital. And did so well in my internship, the hospital hired me after that. So by 19, by the, the summer of 1972, I was already uh, working as a respiratory therapist, although at that, at that point in time, the, uh, the field was so new, they just called them inhalation therapists. But uh, I, I was a respiratory therapist for some 12 years after that, and it was a good job, well-paying job, and, uh, you know, 
my grandmother being in the hospital in a, in a weird, ironic sort of way introduced me into my career choice. See, I didn't know that. I just learned something myself. I didn't realize that that's what brought you into the medical profession. That's really interesting and sad, and it's it's everything combined and very heart wrenching. Um, but what about any other paranormal experiences? Have you had any other ones other than that? Ah, well. Sometimes I think my whole life has been a paranormal experience, but uh, I, I, I know what you're talking about, and again, I've had uh, things happen to me that have been weird or odd that sometimes I don't even pay attention to, but there, there have been a couple of other things that stood out at least. One of them was uh, actually the, uh, the evening that our, our daughter was conceived. And what happened there is <clears throat> my wife and I were obviously engaged in activities. And the instant... I had my orgasm. Something just flashed into my head, my brain, that she was going to be pregnant. That this this moment would create a child. I know it sounds like a weird thing, but sure enough, in you know a week or two or long it took, we, we discovered she was pregnant with our daughter, and <clears throat> some people would say, well, that was just a weird flash of, you know, shit, it doesn't mean anything, and I didn't consider it an especially important moment, except when it happened a second time the afternoon our son was conceived and again the moment I had my orgasm this flash went off in my brain again telling me that she would be pregnant And she was. We found out later that she was pregnant with our son. Again, that's just, you know, two flashes in the pan, if you want to call it that. But that only happened to me twice. Two times in my entire life. And both times she conceived a child. And I've had I've had sex thousands of times with many different women and it's never happened to me with any other woman at any other time. So consider that as being 
abnormal or paranormal or just freaking weird, whatever you want, but it's something that did actually happen to me, and the vision, the flash of insight, they were both confirmed, and those were the only two times that ever happened to me in my entire life. So, what are you going to do? You know, you have to figure that something was going on, that for some reason, I was informed by something on the outside, something other than my own little world, that yes, at that, at those two points in my life, something special occurred, and I was informed of it at the very moment. So yeah, that's that's kind of a, a freaky thing that's happened to me, uh, one of many. But uh, another one happened sometime later in life. So I was with my lifelong friend, uh, the guy that uh, I had known since I started school. Where was it, my middle 20s, I guess, and we were visiting someone he knew up there in uh, the L.A. area, Los Angeles, and uh, we got to this little house set way back from the road, and we walked up to the door, and he knocked, and somebody from inside said, come in, and he opened the door and walked in, and I started to follow him, and just before I crossed the threshold of this little house, I both my hands went up and slammed into the door jam, and I stopped. I, I for some reason I couldn't cross the threshold. And he turned around and said, what, "What's the matter?" And I said, "I don't know, man. I just for some reason I, I I just had to stop myself from coming in." And after a, a moment or two, I was able to, you know, cross the threshold and we entered the house, and it turned out the lady who lived there was a witch, and uh, both my friend and I were into uh, black arts to a certain extent, and it turned out this lady had, uh, because she was a witch, had sprinkled salt around all the windowsills and all the thresholds of the doors to protect herself from evil. Now, I had no idea when I got there that she was a witch. I had no idea any, I had no knowledge of her at all. So, why, why, why did I feel the urge to not enter the house? Was it because of the salt? Or was it because of the energy within the house? I have no idea, but that's just another freaky incident in a long line of freaky incidents in my life, so whatever. Think of it as whatever you will, I suppose. Um... <clears throat> Another incident, 
and this one is rather hard for me to talk about, <clears throat> even though it may sound silly or inconsequential to our listeners. In 2004, I had a uh, dog who died. He was a big old boy, sort of a cross between a husky and a German Shepherd, I guess. And uh, he used to come up to me when I was sitting down, and he would put his head on my thigh so I could pet him. And uh, after he died, I can't remember how long afterwards it was, but <clears throat> I was sitting on the couch watching TV, and I was kind of sitting on the edge of the couch, leaning forward with my elbows on my, on my knees, and uh, I felt something rest on my thigh. And it was such a natural feeling, one that I remembered doing so many times. I just instinctively reached out to pet him without even looking down. And there was nothing there. Are you okay? Do you want to take a break, or do you want to keep going on? Okay. Sorry. Sorry. The nine-year anniversary of his death is coming up next month, and it's still hard for me to talk about it. But, I mean, what I felt was no muscle twitch or muscle spasm or anything as ordinary as that. I felt a pressure on my leg, just like I felt a thousand times before when he dressed his head on my leg, and I reached out to pet him, but there was nothing there. So there you go, another freaky incident that may mean nothing. But it meant something to me. So, there you go. I guess that's, uh, all I want to talk about that. Let me chime in real fast. Um, I had a, a privilege to, to meet Buddy. Um, and that's the dog, obviously, that you're talking about. Um, he seemed very happy that I remember. I only met him once at that point and then he passed on. Um, but I do want to keep the show going and I wanted to ask, um, you you brought up, or mentioned rather, the dark arts, that you were involved in the dark arts. And there's so many different variations of dark arts. I was just curious to see if you wanted to go into what kind of dark arts you were into. Well, I was in college and I was still basically searching for some sort of 
faith that I might be grounded in. I discovered there was a, a coven on the on campus, and I was already friends with several of the people who were in this coven. And at the time, I didn't even realize they were in a coven. I just thought they were people that I could associate with and did. And eventually, I uh, I joined the coven in 1970, and I belonged to the coven for I don't think it was quite two years, and, and eventually, uh, you know, people went their own their own ways, and the coven disbanded basically. But while I was with them. I learned a lot of interesting experiments and how to uh, work some spells, things like that. Basically, what they tried to do was increase the mental power that everyone has but don't use much once they get older. And I learned astral projection while I was with the group there, um, among other things. And while we uh, didn't drink blood or kill babies or anything, there was a lot of uh, instruction in increasing a person's ability to look beyond what normally see there are things out there that are around us all the time and which are invisible spirits good and bad and other things that are there that can be contacted and can be seen if you just learn how to do it again so that was that was an interesting uh Part of my life, I, I must admit that for several years after that, I I was more self-confident, and I uh, had a much brighter, ambitious outlook on life than I ever did before, and that I've ever had since then. I uh, fell away from that because I decided that. that type of religious experience wasn't quite what I was looking for either and that was when I uh, eventually turned to paganism which is basically basically I took that from the Native American aspect since I'm supposed to have some Cherokee blood in me both both my grandmothers were from Oklahoma, which was a large Cherokee reservation area. So I'm supposed to have some Indian blood in me. <clears throat> and I felt that the uh, the meager religious practices of the American Indian, the Native Americans, seemed to 
fulfill me more than any other aspect of religion that I had, I had, I had covered. I took religious science classes in college to uh, explore all aspects of religion and uh, visited many different churches as a child and finally decided that paganism was something that fitted my needs the best so I've been uh, technically pagan for most of my life now <clears throat> the black arts after all do not necessarily have to do with Satanism or worshipping the devil. Uh, the black arts, according to Christian belief, is anything that is not Christian. So, believing in spirits, trying to contact them, trying to talk to them, these all fall under the category of black arts. And I've always been inclined toward odd behavior and uh, death. So for me, the black arts uh, fit right into what I wanted. And again, I uh, learned a lot, experienced a lot. And uh, would certainly not ever give that up because of all that I I did learn. Well, I have to say I'm I'm a, kind of relieved that that answer didn't involve you know any type of drinking blood or baby sacrifices or upside down crucifixions. So I, I'm a little bit happy that it went that direction instead of the other. Um, since we're on a, kind of an interesting topic tonight, um, is there any other like paranormal experiences that you have, or just maybe odd experiences altogether that you would be interested in talking about? I don't know. Are UFOs considered paranormal? I mean, obviously they're not normal. Sure, why not? Uh, what kind of UFO are you talking about, though? UFO is simply an unidentified flying object, something up in the sky that you cannot identify as something familiar. And yes, I have seen UFOs on at least two occasions, perhaps more. But on these two occasions, I am bloody well sure that what I saw in the sky was not anything we as humans could have produced. One of the early incidents took place in uh, 1996, shortly after we moved to the Southern California high desert. <clears throat> and I was went out into my backyard and looked off to the east and saw five glowing spheres or saucer shapes things up in the sky in a V formation they were quite large even though they were far away 
and they were hovering. They were not moving. They were simply hovering in one place. They seemed to pulse a little bit, an orange-yellow glow. And I stared at them for a few seconds and realized they weren't moving, so I went back in the house and brought my stepdaughter outside asked her if she wanted to see flying saucers. I was half kidding, but we went back outside and they were still there, just hovering in place. And it was a, you know, middle of the day, bright sky, clear sky. And eventually, the first saucer at the apex of the triangle shot forward took off, zoom, and half a second later, the next two shot forward following the first one, and then the last two took off in the same direction. They were going at incredible speed. They went from a dead stop to fucking gone, you know. I mean, they didn't slowly pick up speed. They were just there one minute, and the next second they were they were gone. And we weren't the only people to notice those. I, I believe they were called the Apple Valley Lights at the time, and uh, apparently many, many people saw them and reported them, so that wasn't like a unusual or one-person account of what was going on, and to the best of my knowledge, there was never any explanation as to what those might have been. The uh, more recent episode happened just last summer in July, up here in the frozen north, and I, I took my dog out about 3.15 in the morning, in the morning to, uh, for, on his last potty tour, and as, as is normal when I go outside, I always look up at the sky, especially at night, and two of the major constellations in the summer sky, uh, right, right here especially, are the Big Dipper and Cassiopeia. They're both very close to the North Star, so they rotate around the North Star, as do all the other stars in the sky. Well, technically that's incorrect. We are the ones who rotate, and it appears that stars do. But anyway, I looked up at Cassiopeia, which I, I'm very familiar with, and I noticed a cluster of stars, or what I thought was stars, just below the constellation that shouldn't have been there. I'd never seen them there before, so I'm, I'm staring up at them, and then I realize that they're moving, and they're moving together in a formation. And to me, it looked like kind of a martini glass, you know, the V-shape with a stem but no base. There were five little red dots formed the upper part of the glass and two more that formed the stem. So there were seven little red dots moving along all together. And then <clears throat> the, one of the little dots at the very tip of the glass 
shot forward, made a uh, U-turn at, at a very rapid rate, and came back and situated itself directly over what would be the, the glass bowl, or the glass cup. And then the two little red dots that formed the stem shot forward, and then slowed down and formed a, 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 an angle and eventually all of the other little red dots one at a time shot forward and caught up with the uh, the first two and formed a complete V formation with the point or the, the apex heading in a roughly northeastern trajectory and they stayed in that formation until I lost sight of them somewhere around the cup of the Big Dipper. So I was actually able to watch watch all seven of these little red dots for at least three minutes, perhaps three and a half, before I lost sight of them. And I'm I'm familiar enough with the night sky to know that these were not planets or meteors or some other astral phenomenon that I can't explain. They were individually powered, they moved quickly, made abrupt turns, and they were actually pretty high because they were smaller than the uh, stars in Cassiopeia. They weren't really bright, but they were certainly bright enough, red against a dark sky. It was a clear night, so I could easily see them, see them move, see them fly. And as far as I know, no one else saw that because there was no mention of it in the news or the papers or anything. So I guess that is just an incident that uh, I alone was privy to. So. You know, congratulations to me. But <clears throat> I, uh, I think those are the only two uh, UFO sightings that I have that can be uh, seriously classified as a UFO. And with that, I think that we're just about out of time for another episode. So I will say adios amigos. And hopefully uh, we'll be able to talk to you again next week. And I'll leave it up to Dave to sign us off. I can do that, Tear. Again, thank you for sitting down and, and chit-chat with me. I enjoy it. So I am David K. Montoya. And for Terry D. Shear, I bid you all a good night. Good night. Okay, quick question for you. Okay. How far into a forest can a dog run? Halfway. That's right, because when he hits halfway, he's now running out of the forest. You passed. Yay! Yay! I feel so much better about myself. I think you're lying to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Number three. Number threes. Coincidence? I think not.
It's not a coincidence. That's the way you laid out the show. Yeah, you dude. have it right there in the show notes. Oh, she just pulled the curtain back and said, here, look at the naked They man. know. <laughs> they may not have. Maybe not have. Maybe they may. They may not, not have. have. Not have. Not known. Have. <laughs> oh, I'm a gooder speaker than anybody yeah, I know. I was say, let's butcher the language a little bit more, please. Uh, okay. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us on Flashback Fridays. Yes, thank you. And listening to our ramblings. Oh, Rob's ramblings. Yes. Michael here at Todd's. Mike's musings, Rob's rambling. Oh. Oh. That's weird how that works. I don't think I like that. Ah, I'm never know, using that, that again. That, yeah, absolutely. That's going on the T-shirt. What T-shirt? Never mind. Oh, damn it. Damn. Okay, <laughs> that's for, for another week of... <laughs> oh, damn it! We're not at the movie madhouse. <laughs> How about we do Flashback Fridays? <laughs> oh, I suck. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on Flashback Fridays, and we will see you next week. Yeah, what he said. Bye. Bye.